Coming up this week on the Thomas Jefferson Hour, it's a Zoom Christmas party of some of our favorite friends and contributors. Joining us in this Christmas party, Joseph Ellis of Vermont and Massachusetts, Mr. David McCandry of the state of Washington, Bo Wright of Lynchburg, Virginia, and my personal assistant for 20 years, now retiring, Nancy Frankie of the Seattle area. And also Brad Chrysler, who wrote a song especially for the Jefferson Hour, Listening to America, and we hear it this week for the first time anywhere. One of the great Christmas gifts one could ever receive, this Christmas gift to the Thomas Jefferson Hour from our old friend Chrysler. In addition to which, our predictions for the year 2023 and the personal projects of our participating historians, plus Lindsay Trevinsky. Please join us for all that and more on this week's Thomas Jefferson Hour. Good day, citizens, and welcome to What Would Jefferson Do? Our weekly opportunity to speak to President Thomas Jefferson, who is seated across from me now. And I must say to you, sir, happy holidays and good to see you. Good to see you, my dear citizen. Now, Mr. Jefferson, it's about this time every year that we discuss celebrating Christmas. And every year I I sort of hope that you've softened your stance on the holiday. Is that so, sir? I cannot do it, sir. We know that Jesus existed, that a human named Jesus once existed just when he was born and just when he died, we're not absolutely certain of. But almost certainly he wasn't born on the 25th of December. That's what's known as a saint's day in the Catholic tradition. So I didn't celebrate Christmas. Now, we gathered, and we had a special meal, and there were sometimes some small gifts exchanged, Um, but we weren't active Christians. And it would have seemed to me a little irrational to celebrate Christmas. But even if you take all that aside and call me the Scrooge of my time, Christmas wasn't in the early 19th century what it is in your time. There were no Christmas trees yet. There were no Christmas ornaments of any sort. Uh, The Santa Claus story had not yet come to the United States. And in fact, in New England in the 17th century, in the New England states, Christmas was actually banned because it was regarded as Catholic and idolatrous. And so Christmas, as you understand it in the 21st century, Uh, does not have um, an origin story at Monticello or even in the America of my lifetime. Well, Mr. Jefferson, if I might, I'd I'd like to make a bit of a a personal confession to you, and that is that in the past dozen years or so, I have tried every year to move closer to your view of Christmas. It, uh, It has become... Well, a commercial holiday, and I believe that it should be a holiday to recognize uh, the love of family. The love of family, and 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 look, even if if Jesus was not born on the twenty fifth of December, the Rabbi Jesus was one of the most ethically interesting people who has ever lived. His uh, philosophy: love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's a magnificent ethical program. And if we lived according to those simple strictures, there would be peace and harmony all over the world. And so I'm not an enemy to the 
the teaching of Jesus. Uh, and we may as well celebrate him at this time of year as any other. Um, after all, uh, in the Gospels, he's said to have been born in the dead of winter in Bethlehem. And so I have no problem with that, but I, I simply won't accept it as definitive. And I must tell you, and I say it with some reluctance, that I am pretty sure that Jesus was not the Christ. Well, again, sir, to me, Christmas is becoming more and more a time to recognize your family and to gather them around and celebrate with perhaps feasting and uh, not so much all of the trappings of my age of Christmas that is, again, as I say, turned it into rather a commercial holiday. We Americans are famous for our restlessness and our mobility more than any other people. It uh, was seen early by foreign visitors who came to the United States and noticed this enormous spirit of restlessness. And so our country is large. People tend to scatter all over the country and even all over the planet. And if you can come together once or twice per year to celebrate the love and, and centrality of family, I am very much in favor of that. And Christmas, at least at Monticello, was such a time for us. Well, sir, putting aside your reservations about Christmas, as well as mine, uh, would you join me in wishing everyone a very happy holiday season? Indeed, and I hope everyone will look forward to New Year's Day, which is a purely mathematical celebration. And it's when the outgoing year ends and the incoming year begins, and we are all filled with resolution and a belief that the future will be better than the present. Perhaps we can talk about that next week, sir, and I thank you very much, Mr. Jefferson. You are most welcome, citizen. Welcome to this week's edition of the Thomas Jefferson Hour, and a very special edition, a Christmas edition. We're doing something this week we've never done, which is have a Zoom Christmas party. We've invited all of our contributors and friends to join us today and uh, sort of reflect on the holiday and, and uh, the Jefferson Hour. We're so pleased that all of you have been able to attend today. And perhaps, Clay, you might want to go around the horn here and introduce everyone that's joining us. Yes, it's our first ever uh, Jefferson Hour Christmas party. I have my eggnog right here in front of you. You can see the nutmeg. And I have a piece of fruitcake that I made. I'm the last American, I think, who still makes fruitcake. So I'm all set for this party. Um, so, so far for our Christmas party, we have my old friend, Nancy Frankie, who has been my assistant and scheduler and handler for the last 20 years. She's retiring, unfortunately, uh, but she's agreed to come on and, and um, tell some home truths about how hard this has been. We have Chrysler, the famous Chrysler. He's in transit from Disney World back to Nashville, and uh, presumably you are not alone in that car. We have the, the great Joe Ellis at an undisclosed location. I think this time in Massachusetts, not 
in Vermont, Joe, and then David DeCadry, the uh, Enlightenment correspondent of the Jefferson Hour uh, from uh, Western Washington, and a couple of more people, David, will be joining us. You know, this is really fun because we're getting to see everyone because it is a Zoom call, and it is about Christmas. Uh, right before the show started, Mr. Ellis, Joe, if I might, you brought up looking into uh, the Monticello website and some of the notations they had about Jefferson and Christmas. Yeah, I did it. I mean, I you know, I spent six years uh, researching and writing about Jefferson at one point. And during that time, I couldn't remember any encounter with Christmas as a significant event in his life. Uh, but I thought I better better check it out now. And Monticello's got a website up for Christmas. And I would say they found about 150 letters by Jefferson or by his children about Christmas, none of which I remember at all. Um, and I think that the, the picture that emerges is, yes, Christmas was a holiday recognized by Jefferson. It was really a family reunion kind of thing for children and grandchildren. And it did have an impact on the slave community because they were given at least two or three days off in both of his plantations at Monticello and Poplar Forest. Husbands or wives who had partners at another location were given passes to visit each other. And um, so that it did have some significance. Now it's not Christmas with Santa Claus and Christmas trees and a lot of the stuff that goes with our current Christmas. Uh, there's a book by a guy called Nissenbaum called The War Over Christmas. It's pretty good on this. It's most, most of that stuff comes in the Victorian era in the 19th century. But um, I think that Christmas did make a difference to Jefferson and Jefferson was very committed to um, the notion of separation of church and state. And you wonder what he would say about making Christmas a national holiday. And that's an open question that I, I want to leave you all with. Yeah, so that's Joseph Ellis, who is in Massachusetts, a frequent contributor to the Jefferson, or the author of more than a dozen books, and he's won all the awards. Uh, David DeCandre, you know a little bit about this. Uh, Lewis and Clark at Christmas, out in your part of the world at Fort Clatsop, they did observe a kind of Christmas, although a very limited one. Yeah, my sense, Clay, uh, by the way, it's good to see everyone. It's an, it's an honor to be amongst this company. Uh, my sense is that New Year's Day was actually a bigger festival or occasion for celebration, and significantly so. Uh, in, in, in Fort at Fort Clatsop, that there was an aspect of uh, making a virtue out of necessity, because I don't think their accommodations were fully finished by Christmas, but they had been the week between Christmas and New Year's. So uh, uh, being... Um, the uh, en Enlightenment uh, particularists, Lewis especially, that they were, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that the New Year's Day uh, would have been uh, thought of as the more significant holiday. In fact, as a <clears throat> protege of Jefferson's, I suspect that Lewis had only two days on the celebratory calendar, if I can call it that, the 4th of July, and New Year's Day. So, David, as you remember, on Christmas, there were some gifts exchanged. 
Uh, the captains gave each man who was still using tobacco a, a little twist of tobacco, and those who didn't use tobacco got a handkerchief or something else. And Zacagawea gave Clark a dozen or, or more weasel's tails, which is a strange gift for her to give to Clark. And Lewis apparently got nothing or a lump of coal. Uh, yes, uh, I think, Clay, what I'm basing my uh, theory on is the extent of reflection on that day. What you say is no, is undoubtedly true, and I, I can't cite what would have happened specifically uh, at, at uh, Fort Mandan. You would be the expert on that, let alone the previous winter down on the uh, lower Missouri, Mississippi Valley. But my sense was that there was the first, yes, there was that gift exchange. It's noteworthy in the respects that you highlighted. But again, my working sense is that the 1st of January was the more noteworthy occasion in Lewis's case in particular, because he knew that the calendar had turned to the year, the month, the day that he would get back home, because at this point, he was quite homesick. David Nicanor, let me ask you one just yes or no question. This will be the first time in your life you've ever actually answered yes or no. But did Captain Cook at any point celebrate Christmas? No, but his men but, did. Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should recognize another uh, participant who's just joined us, Bo Wright from, from Lynchburg. Good to see you, Bo. Oh, it's so good to be here with all of you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes sir. Oh, very good. Yes. Merry Christmas. Everybody yeah, knows Bo used to work for the Obama administration, and now are you are you still a city councilman in, in Lynchburg? I am. I am vice mayor in Lynchburg, Virginia, for another, uh, what's today, the 12th, another 19 days. I'm a fellow Virginia. I was born and raised in Virginia, if you count Arlington as part of Virginia. And I went to William and Mary. But um, uh, so, so did I. Go tribe. Did you? Yeah. Go what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, go tribe. Go tribe. Yeah. Well, you know, Jefferson was so unimpressed with William and Mary, he felt he needed to found another college at the um, University of Virginia. He said uh, that the Wren building, if it hadn't had a roof, he would have regarded it as a brick kiln. So, oh, <laughs> we welcome you. It's still you. there. It's still there. It's still there. Nancy Frankie, um, out in the, the Seattle zone, a little suburb of Seattle. Um, so, you must be really fighting back the tears and sobbing as you now leave my employee after 20 years. So I can, it has to be a terrible adjustment. Oh, to what a setup. What a setup. <laughs> yes, but, you know, drugs and therapy have helped a lot, Clay. <laughs> what are you going to do now with all this time you have on your hands? Oh, oh, well, I don't know. I guess maybe I'll have a chance to read all of your books. <laughs> Great. Uh, so what? how are you going to celebrate Christmas, Nancy? Oh, we will have um, just the, the family will come over. You know, we have a small, our family is quite small now. I have a grandchild, which is one of the reasons that I need some retirement time because he has a lot more energy than I do. And uh, so, so that will be, that will be how we celebrate out here. And so I, I wanted, I just want to say I am, very grateful to be a part of this thing today. I've had a chance to talk, to think about, you know, a lot of uh, the, how the Jefferson Hour has progressed in the 20 years that I've been with Clay. 
and you know how it was even before i think that there was four or five years before i came on that that you and janie were doing the jefferson hour um from the 25th floor of the new enlightenment 20th, radio 21st, building get it right, in but, reno nevada yeah. uh oh was it 21st okay well you know the memory goes clay and how the, the progression that uh, that has happened with, you know, with the Jefferson Hour all of this time to all of you now contributing over the years, I, I have felt kind of like <laughs> a, an early American rock star groupie that I've been to follow all of you, you know, I, I get to, I get to talk to you on the phone. I get to email, you know, and rub shoulders with brilliance. Yeah, good. And, thanks. Thanks for that. So, and of course you too, Clay. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to miss you, Nancy. Nancy, I think you've dealt with all of these people on this call and Pat Bradowski may or may not be able to join us, but you're getting to put faces with some of the people that you have worked with over the years. It, it really, it really is wonderful. That's the thing about radio is that you don't always get to see everybody's face. We get to see pictures, you know, on the, on the website of, of everyone. And, but it's just, I have learned, you know, so much about the history of, of Jefferson and everything. And, you know, just, just from, not just from the program, of course, from you, Clay, I mean, I, I never would have known what what I know now um, had it not been for you masterfully dressing up in in tights and whatnot and going around the country uh, teaching us all about about Jefferson and and you know all the things that that go along with that. Well, so, Nancy, I will we will all miss you. I'll miss you particularly. You know, it really is the case that. Everywhere I have gone for the last 20 years, people said, oh, Nancy is such a great person. She's so responsive. She, she's such a pleasure to work with, um, really. I mean, it's universally said, and I always give the same response. Give it time. Just give it time. Well, it, it, I, I tell people, too, and I appreciate that, Clay. I, I do tell people, too, that, um, you know, it's easy to be kind and responsive when your boss is 3,000 miles away, and you only have to see him... <laughs> Uh, you know, a couple of times a year. And when you do talk on the phone, when he's done talking to you, he says, you're breaking up. And all of a Sorry, sudden, Nancy, you're, you're breaking up. I, uh, the bad right. service today. Bad service indeed. Thanks so much, Nancy. Uh, it, it's so great to hear your voice. I, too, am going to miss you immensely. You're listening to a special Zoom Christmas party this week on the Thomas Jefferson Hour, and we'll hear from more of our guests after this short break. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Thomas Jefferson Hour. This week, our special Zoom Christmas party. We're joined by so many of our friends and contributors to the Jefferson Hour. One person we haven't talked to yet, and we should because he's in transit traveling in a car, and that's Brad Chrysler. So everyone knows Chrysler. Um, you, you've given us the theme uh, music for the Jefferson Hour. You also are um, fascinated by painting. You, you yourself are a miniaturist. Um, you are um, uh, a Nashvilleian, and, and you were one of the few people who's ever visited the New Enlightenment Radio Network barn with your family when you went on the year-long odyssey around America. Yes. I, I think I've told this story before. I discovered the Jefferson Hour when I was uh, sleeping overnight in a gym full of homeless men, and there was uh, uh, we were hosting them. Uh, some homeless men that night in a facility and, and I was just scouring random podcasts and came across the Jefferson Hour it seems like decades ago uh, but that started you know my friendship and journey with you now uh, is very dear to me so much so that I would go and write a song for you and we should we should get to that you know we um, we received many many gifts uh, on the Jefferson Hour from listeners and in in everything from just listening to the show to writing to us and and sending other things. Clay has yet to get his ranch. We did get an email from somebody who said, "Drop that. They're they're not money makers. You'll just lose a fortune." <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, one gift that we did get um, came from Brad this year, uh, and and that's. A piece of music that you wrote, you produced, um, you played almost all the instruments on it. I, th I know you had a little help, uh, and you sang it, and you gave it to the Jefferson Hour just straight up, and nobody's ever heard it. And I was thinking this would be a perfect time to let people hear it. You know, do you want to give us any backstory? Not except that I, uh, Clay asked, you know, throughout this idea it's been a while ago uh, about and had some very specific parameters uh, all of which I hope I adhered to I, as you all know I spent 30 years uh, writing and producing music professionally and now do it just for pure joy but I love these are these are things that are easy to say uh, yes to so here it is for the first time anywhere Brad Chrysler's song, Listening to America. And we watched and we listened beside the Missouri Amber and Azure above us Waiting for memories of who we once were And what we could be
That was good. That was good. Wow. So here's, I have a question. First of all, Chrysler, you nailed it. So I want to start with Joe and then and go to, um, and then to Dave Nicandri and then to Bo. When you hear that word America, you know, we're all jaded. We've been through one of the most divisive times. It, it often feels like the Republic's on the, on the brink of collapse. Uh, you know, we're cynical now, and uh, this is a time of disillusionment, I think, in modern Western civilization. Um, and yet when I hear the word America, especially as it's sort of enunciated there in that song, I nearly always choke up because America is one of the world's most magical words. The idea of America, you know, with all that it could have been and may, might still be, is just so overwhelmingly powerful as a concept. Do you, do you share that view, Joe? Well, my good days, yes. The glass is always half full and half empty in America. Jefferson himself is an embodiment of both dimensions. Right now, we're in a backlash phase, and um, I think we need to get through this. But I am an American. I mean, I, I've never thought of myself as an Irishman or a German. Those are the two sides of my family. I'm an American. I didn't know I was a Southerner until I got to Yale. And I think that, that if we get through this, we are going to be the first largest multiracial society ever in the world. And that's a huge thing. That, in addition to being the largest economy, and we can then draw from the entire populace the energies and the talents from women, men, Blacks, Hispanics, Asians, in a way that no other society in world or Western history has ever done. And that's, I hope, the Jeffersonian message. He himself couldn't live up to it, but that's central to his message. Thanks. Um, David DeCandre, you know, we all agree that this is a battered time uh, in America, but how do you see it when you hear that song, hear that kind of evocation of all that is most magnificent about our national landscape and our national purpose and our national ideals and our national mission? Well, I'm going to pick up on Joe's thread because I think a, a song as evocative as that, you the tendency is to relate to it personally as opposed to corporately or nationally. Um, uh, I mean, I when I think of that word, uh, I think of uh, my immigrant grandparents. All four of them were immigrants from Italy. Only one of them could read, and that wasn't English, obviously. It was Italian. And, Clay, you've had, you've made a, a sort of a, a minor career out of <laughs> making fun of my vocabulary in love, to be sure. But uh, I just think, you know, what an amazing story that is. I mean, three grandparents, none of whom were literate, and yet I can throw the English language around pretentiously, no doubt, for many and <laughs> most times. But that's a story. And so that's one thought. I, I consider it to have been kind of a blessing to have come of age in the 50s and early in the 60s during the heyday of what historians at that time referred to as the liberal consensus. You know, the liberal consensus was easy to mock when it was the atmosphere you were breathing. And now that we don't have a consensus, we know what we're missing. And I was mm -hmm. among those as a young graduate student that always mocked the liberal consensus. And now that I'm in my mid-70s, I see many of, the, many of its charms. 
We're listening to a special edition of the Thomas Jefferson Hour, our first Christmas party by Zoom. So I want to go to Bo and then to um, Nancy and then finally to Chrysler. Um, so Bo, when you hear that kind of evocation of the American ideals, um, and you look at around you today, having served in a uh, presidential administration and now serving uh, a small and, and at, I'm sure at times contentious community, um, what reflection do you have? Um, well, I, I don't think it's actually all that dissimilar from what Professor Ellis or Mr. Nicandri shared. Um, I think to me, America is a um, sort of equivalent to a promise. And it's a promise that is uh, imperfectly applied, frequently broken, um, but a promise sort of nonetheless. And, um, and so I think hearing that song makes me feel uh, uh, both moved and, uh, and I think, it, I think it, it touches on the aspiration of this sort of the American experiment. And I really appreciate what Professor Ellis was saying about you know, glass half full, half empty, and on good days, feeling the real promise of America. And I think, uh, you know, just based on on both what I've learned on the Thomas Jefferson Hour, what I've read through reading people's books, like Professor Ellis's, or just with my own eyes, serving in in sort of at various levels of government, um, are the generations of leaders who have stepped forward to preserve American democracy and to advance it. People like Frederick Douglass or Susan B. Anthony or Mary McCloyd Bethune or, you know, Martin Luther King. We have we have generations of activists and leaders who step forward to to shepherd this vessel from one generation to the next. And so um, that's what I think about when I hear uh, Brad's song. Nancy, you got to hear Chrysler's song for the first time today. Yes. Wow. I I was very moved brad by it and i think that it that's the hopefulness that um that i want to see come back and it did make me feel you know i have not been uh so proud to be an american in the last year or so and it's hard it's very hard i grew up you know in this seeing the changes. I've been a liberal all my life, wanting, you know, fighting for the rights of others and whatnot. And, uh, but I've also perhaps been a little bit of a Pollyanna about the thing too, that, that people are, are basically good. I want to believe that, that people are basically good and that they just have miss, you know, we just misinterpret uh, our beliefs sometimes. And, you know, the one thing about the Jefferson Hour that I and Jefferson that I absolutely loved is that uh, how many times, Clay, did you say that Jefferson said we should rewrite the Constitution every what every every 19, he said. Yeah. 19 it, to 21. Yeah. Things things do change. Things change. And and people use the Constitution sometimes and the miss they, they misuse the Constitution like they misuse religion. You know, you can make it say sometimes what you want it to say. And and so but but I I'm on the you know, I'm on the, uh, the other end of the spectrum here. I'm old. I'm I'm getting old. And well, look around, except for Bo. I, <laughs> I look at Bo. You know, Bo is the hope right there. Bo is is probably my daughter's age, and this is the generation 
that uh, will listen, you know, if, the, if that generation listens to our generation and then goes and teaches the next generation, there is hope. There's always hope for that. But I've gotten to the point now where, where I'm going to change. I can only change my little corner of this world. So I change. I do what I can. You know, I've Clay, what am I going to do when I retire from you? Volunteer. I do tremendous amount of volunteer work that I will continue to do because it is the only way to make my heart happy in this America right now um, to, you know, to, to say, I can make this little difference and the rest of it is going to have to be up to somebody else to change. Thanks, Nancy. So uh, David Swenson, the semi-permanent guest host of the Thomas Jefferson Hour in this, our special Christmas party edition of the Jefferson Hours. Um, you received this song sort of almost out of the blue from Chrysler. Now you're going to uh, work with it um, to find ways to incorporate it. Um, t tell us about your reaction. Oh, it's great. It's it's a Brad Chrysler song. What do you expect? I, you know, I, 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 first, if I might, um, react to the extraordinary things that all of you have just said. Uh, Nancy, you are fast becoming one of my heroes, and <laughs> and, and you, I, I, you will be so missed. Um, and to be able to see all of you, and Joe, you know, you and I have had uh, conversations on the Jefferson Hour, and... Uh, the ones I really treasure are those calls when I catch you walking your dogs and you just share your <laughs> thoughts with me. I'm so grateful for that. Nicandri, um, I was really glad that you, uh, you, you addressed the English language and the story of the, your, your immigrant uh, grandparents. That's, that was real moving. I did not know that about you. It's so great to hear. And Bo, once again, I really have to apologize when I got that email asking me to put a yard sign in Bismarck, North Dakota for your last election, and I didn't respond. I'm so glad that it, it didn't have a, a bad effect on, on your re-election. And then there's Brad, and Brad has gifted us so much on the Jefferson Hour. If you watch my finger, I, I you know you're on a phone, but if you look right there, Brad— you will see a portrait of John Adams that you painted and gave to me, and it's one of the first things I see every day when I when I come to work. Um, I'm not sure that you know. I mean, I've got a background in recording and in writing and working with artists, and so I I can take this position. I hope, and if I can't, you'll straighten me out. But I'm not sure anybody here realizes. What a gift you gave to the Jefferson Hour. Um, it's just like, whoa, you write a song. No, it's not that. It, it's, it's a piece of the juice that makes you who you are. And it, it's incredibly kind and, and generous of you to share this song and then to hear it. I mean, you, you saw the reaction of everybody here on Zoom. So um, uh, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but that was quite, quite a gift, sir. So Bradford, uh, I, yeah, yes, sir. Um, I, no, please say what you were going to say. Well, I, I was just—it's no accident that the common thread uh, through everyone's response and thinking about these things um, either has been articulated specifically or alluded to the paradox of the character of Thomas Jefferson, and I think. That is at the heart of what you all do, what we all love, 
that we'd love to, to share and participate in is this wrestling. Uh, Thomas Jefferson is uh, the vehicle by which we continue to wrestle with the meaning of the revolution, which is the, you know, the, the, the thing Dr. Ellis has been writing about for so many years now. That question is not static. It is active. And what we do, what you all do with this show, and what we all do to try to understand the moment we're in, the moments that we've been in, and where we're going, is seen through the eyes of this paradoxical figure in Thomas Jefferson. He represents the best of who we are and the worst of what we can be. And the more we study him and understand him, the more we understand ourselves. And um, I, I just think that is the common thread of, of everyone's, uh, that it is not, not self-government. Uh, the self is not static. It is active and it is changing. You know, David, let's take a short break because uh, we have, uh, first of all, I want to say what a great gift Chrysler has given to all of us in the Jefferson Hour and to all the listeners of the Jefferson Hour here. What a Christmas that is uh, for all of us and especially for me. Uh, let's take a break, David, because someone who couldn't come today, uh, Lindsay Chervinsky, sat down for a quick Christmas interview with us uh, last week. And let's take a break. When we come back, let's hear a little of our conversation with Lindsay before we return to our our friends here on the Zoom call. That sounds like an excellent idea, sir. Once again, you're listening to the Thomas Jefferson Hour. This week, our Christmas party Zoom call with, in no particular order, Joe Ellis, Nancy Frankie, David Nicandri, Bo Wright, and of course, Brad Chrysler. We'll be back in just a moment. So pleased to have our panel of friends and guests here this week uh, to, to celebrate Christmas as we, we do every year on the Jefferson Hour. However, there's one contributor and friend that could not be here. So we, we talked to her before the rest of you joined us, and that's Lindsay Trevinsky. Let's go to that conversation now. So, and David, I want to ask Lindsay this question. Your dog's name is Quincy, right? It is John Quincy Dog Adams, Quincy. Fisher. I had this just this picture of of the poor dog with a kind of a Christmas ears, reindeer ears on its head, and some kind of <laughs> awful coat. And is that what you do to this dog? 
Okay, well, first of all, Quincy is very well compensated for all of his costumes. Halloween, historical. So there are costumes. There are multiple. <laughs> he he ha- he goes to historic sites and dresses up. He does has a no. Halloween costume every year. He is usually the center of my holiday card, and this year does indeed have a very excellent costume, which now that you've said that, I'm going to have to send you a picture of because it is epically ridiculous. I've lost so much respect and for And this, you. ladies and gentlemen, is the esteemed historian and author, Lindsay Travinsky. You guys are ridiculous. Historians are full people, and they have passions and interests outside of their work, and it's very essential that one has a creative outlet, and my creative outlet is doing ridiculous things with my dog. Interesting. I'd like to meet one. Meet what? Meet one. One what? Well-rounded historian. Oh. Well, you're looking at her. Well, yeah, look, I mean, she's almost getting snarky on the dog question. It's like the third rail in Lindsay's world. Well, let me pull us back here. I, I, In all seriousness, Lindsay, you have meant so much to the Jefferson Hour this <laughs> yes, year. Yes, indeed. You, re- you really have. Uh, and we hear from so many listeners who are um, just enthralled by the conversations that you and Clay have. So a happy, happy Christmas to you. And, and and thank you for being here. I mean, it's great, and we really do appreciate your time. It's all any of us have, and, and it's so generous of you to share it. Well, it's very kind of you to say that, and I have been so unbelievably humbled, and my heart has been warmed by the welcome that the listeners have given me. They are so kind and so generous and often will send me messages after episodes and I read every one. I try to respond to everyone. So if I didn't send it again, because I'm not trying to ignore you. And I just am so grateful because the internet sometimes can be a toxic place. And so to have positive feedback in such a lovely way has is just been so encouraging and uplifting. So, Lindsay, just in a nutshell, what happens on Christmas? Do you have us a, a little sense of your Christmas ritual? Well, I always spend Christmas with my family. My husband uh, is was raised Jewish, so we usually do Thanksgiving with his family and Christmas with mine. My family is a bigger, louder, more chaotic, more opinionated version of Modern Family, if anyone has seen the Ooh, show. lovely. Uh, so it's not particularly quiet or subtle. Uh, It tends to be fairly chaotic in a very loving way. Um, But there's a lot of people and a lot of things going on. So usually we go out to California. That's where I'm from. We spend the Christmas holiday with them. And um, it is a very nice tradition, if not a particularly restful one. And is there food? I mean, do you have like, is there the usual food? Oh my God, there's so much food. My mother has never met a holiday meal that she could cook fewer than like 20 dishes for. Uh, My second question is, how will you spend New Year's Eve? I am the world's worst New Year's Eve date. Uh, I have a very patient husband who knows that New Year's Eve is not my best holiday. Um, But usually I'm asleep. I really like a New Year's Day. We usually go for a hike. We start the year off right. We talk about, we sort of reflect on the year. We talk about what we want the next year to look like. That is my preferred way to sort of ring in the new year. I'm not much for the late night parties. I'm much more for the hikes the next morning. Thanks again, Lindsay. You really have enriched the show. And I know uh, the listeners appreciate you. I'm going to give you the last word, give you a chance to tell everybody happy Christmas. Thank you again so much. It's such a delight to meet and talk to people who are interested in this work. It, It makes it so worthwhile to do. And thank you to both David 
and Clay for uh, welcoming me on so often and making me sound smart and educated and having my back when I need to re-say things. Um, it's, it's really been a joy and a delight, and I'm grateful for both of your friendships. So happy Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year's. I hope everyone is safe and healthy in the start of the new year. And uh, 2023 is only an improvement on 2022. And that was our pre-recorded Christmas conversation with Lindsay Chervinsky. And now back to our Jefferson Hour Zoom Christmas party. I want to ask each of you a kind of a very personal question because uh, it is a Christmas show. And so as you look back on your life, name a Christmas memory that you that just, it just percolates through you no matter what. I remember a Christmas when we were on my grandparents' farm in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and my grandfather would go out to milk the cows, and we couldn't have Christmas morning until he came back. And we would be, why can't he come? Why? But then he would come back into the house, and he'd have to take off his boots. And then he'd go into the bathroom and wash up for a while. And then he had to have some breakfast. And we were, like, beside ourselves. We were four and six years old, like, what is wrong with this picture? But I can remember looking out on that yard with the little farm light, that little yellow glowing farm light down there, and dawn coming on Christmas morning in Minnesota when I was when Christmas was all magic. And whenever I see light like that or on Christmas Day, I always think of that memory. So, so how about you, David and Kendry? The uh, Christmas of 1972, I had finished my master's degree. I had spent a summer internship here in, in Olympia, the state capital. In the meantime, while I was here, met the woman that would, that I would marry. In fact, our 50th wedding anniversary will be this next September. So that Christmas, I went home because I hadn't I hadn't been home since I went to Idaho to grad school. But two, I guess, two very powerful sentiments uh, overcame me that Christmas. Uh, one, I realized how much I missed not being with Chris, and I realized kind of that Christmas that uh, my life was was going to be in the West. And I couldn't wait to get back out here after that Christmas of 1972. And Chris is your wife of now almost 50 years. Yes. Uh, Bo, you probably can only remember two or three Christmases since you're just a <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking about a Christmas that we had Several years ago, my sister was, I have three siblings and my I have a younger sister, and she, uh, she was an intern at Sagamore Hill, uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's home um, outside of New York. And uh, as part of her compensation for, for, for doing the internship, um, they didn't provide money, but they did provide her a little living quarters in uh, Teddy Roosevelt's barn. And so she invited my parents and me uh, up to spend Christmas with her in the Roosevelt barn uh, at Sagamore Hill. And that was uh, an especially meaningful Christmas. It also happened to be the Christmas uh, that the visitor center burned down. So we got to be spectators for that, but uh, it was a simple Christmas. It was a, um, an, an intimate one. Um, and with the added benefit of the, uh, you know, the Roosevelt aura of Sagamore Hill. Sounds good. Now you must never again say Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> Theodore. He's right. He hated He's Teddy. Right. 
He would, he would punch you in the snout. <laughs> every, every time he, every time people called him Teddy, it would remind him of his lost wife, because she was the mm -hmm. only one who was allowed to call him Teddy. So, it, but of course, everyone always called him Teddy Roosevelt and continued to to this day. And so prominent he, historians do it to this day. You're the one who taught me this, Clay. <laughs> so, Nancy, what about you and, and Christmas memory? Golly, there's there's been a lot of them. My my birthday is three days before Christmas, so so I I kind of it kind of gets muddled in all of there. My mother even forgot it one year, and and wow. on New Year's Day said, "Oh my gosh, you had a birthday, didn't you?" So it was like, okay, <laughs> Jeez. Well, so the best one really was when my daughter my daughter was born first born. She was probably six months old. We, my husband and I were in our very first house that, that we were able to purchase. Um, we, it was small, it was um, cold, and my husband's a carpenter, so he had done a lot of work in it. And in that little tiny house with that brand new baby, I realized the fulfillment, I guess, of the American dream right there. Here is, I had a home. I had a job, I had a child, um, I had, a, I had a, a, a good marriage and income and everything. And it was like, it all spread out before me that uh, this is, you, it, it was all, it was all there. Everything, all the hopes, all the dreams, all the wishes were all right there. And that's probably carried me, you know, through some, some realistic uh, not so great times as I've gotten older, but I'll never forget that feeling and how lucky, how lucky I am again to live in this country where it was possible. Lovely. So, David Swenson, uh, give us a Christmas memory. I kind of, I'm listening to all of these extraordinary uh, recollections of the folks that are here, and uh, for me, it's not so much a specific Christmas as. Uh, you know, the recognition that, yes, it is a religious holiday, and that's its roots, but it, it really has become more of uh, a recognition of family for me in, 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 uh, in my estimation. And you know, so it's, for me, it's a jumble of, of family, of children, of uh, relatives, and uh, th that's how I look at Christmas. Uh, Chrysler? It is about family, isn't it? It's about those we, uh, and thinking about blessings, as you articulated so well, Nancy. Thinking about um, thinking about the miracle of this country, you know, the miracle of what is possible. Uh, Dr. Joseph Ellis, um, you get the last word on 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 this question. So, uh, Christmas and you. I'll, I'll be as brief as I can, I think that there's no single moment like David that comes out in quite the same epiphany way. I think over the last 15 or 20 years, my wife and I basically evolved uh, as a marriage, as, in, as it always does, but also in our perception of, of Christmas. And the thing that I think Jefferson would agree with is that, that he would be astounded if he went through a mall and watched the celebrations. And the, he didn't, but pursuit of happiness, he didn't mean wealth. He didn't mean physical gifts necessarily. So we've cut back a lot in what we give our kids and what we give each other and, um, and try to replace it with 
promises, you know, not just I'll love you till I die, but also I promise to stop smoking my pipe um, or that kind of thing. And she has promises on her side too. But um, the corporatization or the whatever of Christmas is the dominant feature of Christmas if you're an American living in the world and witnessing it. Everything sells more, even books sell more during Christmas. And so publishers are committed to that. And I'd like to find ways to to uh, not contribute to that. As we came to the close of our Jefferson Hour Zoom Christmas party, Clay asked if there was anyone who would like to make predictions about the upcoming year 2023. I'm always hopeful for the next year to come. More so, I think now, you know, when I when I hear all of you talking, Bo, you'll keep out there keeping your your hand in the politics and changing you know changing what you can that's that's an amazing amazing thing joe and david and and clay too you will use your intelligence and and your your knowledge and your genius of what you do to keep on changing people's minds be it one person at a time, 20 people at a time, however it happens. Brad, people like you with a talent like you have to use it and to bring it out to others, uh, to bring us back home when a song can can bring you back to ground zero of, of how you really feel about things. That's important, that's talent. And, and of course, David putting it all together, uh, it, the Jefferson Hour will continue on, but it also is things like this that make me hopeful about 2023 and the years beyond that. So I'm grateful to all of you for what I've learned and for what you will continue to do as long as you can do it. If you, if people like you keep on doing it, I, I'm pretty sure that everything's going to be okay. What's the, what's 2023 looking like for you, Bradford? I'm thinking a lot, uh, as I've talked to you about, Clay, I'm thinking a lot about this next year. I'm in a place in my life and career where I, uh, to give myself to something new. As you know, I still do music for, for fun as, as a hobby now, which is very, bring, get, brings me great joy. Uh, but I'm also you know, doing work that I still love uh, in uh, in the area of historical portrait miniatures, I recently consulted on a very important uh, Charles Wilson Peel miniature of George Washington that sold for half a million dollars. So that work is very, uh, I still love it, but I also want to think about in the coming year, uh, new ways and um, forming new friendships with people who aren't like me. I think, you know, at the heart of where we go next in America is about rediscovering the grace uh, and the humility to learn from people who are different. And I want to explore new ways in this coming year uh, that I can learn to listen better, to be a better friend, uh, and to um, quietly and with humility uh, learn from people who have a different experience uh, in life than I do. And that is no small endeavor, of course, uh, but that's uh, what I'm thinking about. I think what I'm thinking about uh, right now is the my sort of retrospective gratitude and thanks for the Thomas Jefferson Hour and my uh, prospective excitement at what 2023 will bring. Um, there have just been I was I was thinking before the before we 
all got on together about some of the really wonderful shows that we've had and uh, I've gotten to listen to in 2022. Um, David McAndrews' uh, show on Shackleton or the many conversations with Professor Ellis, the conversation with Lindsay Traminsky about the election of 1800. I mean, there have just been some outstanding episodes that have really given me a, a balanced and mature, I think, perspective on both the history, but also how we apply that history to today. So I'm excited for what 2023 will bring out of the barn. And uh, yeah, personally, it's on to new challenges. What those will be, I don't know, but I'm excited. Thanks to all of you. What a wonderful Christmas program. Uh, uh, to our non-Christian listeners, uh, we wish you happy holidays in, in, in whatever way you observe this time of year, this extraordinary moment where the light leaves the world in the Northern Hemisphere and then starts to come back in this really great transition between one year and the next. You've been listening to the Thomas Jefferson Hour. We'll see you all next week for another exciting edition of the Thomas Jefferson Hour. Stay safe, stay strong, be brave. The Thomas Jefferson Hour is brought to you each week by Dakota Sky Education. The program is distributed nationally by Prairie Public. President Thomas Jefferson lived from 1743 to 1826, and this program presents his views. President Jefferson is portrayed by the award-winning humanities scholar and author Clay S. Jenkinson. This program is also available online at jeffersonhour.com and on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to correspond with President Jefferson or submit a question for him to answer on the program, please visit the website at jeffersonhour.com. The Thomas Jefferson Hour is produced at Makoche Recording Studios in Bismarck, North Dakota. Bach Cello Suite No. 3 in C Major by Stephen Swinford. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week for another thought-provoking, historically accurate program, Through the Eyes of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson.